Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 433. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. Let's read our passage. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you gather together, you will not come under judgment. I will give instructions about the other matters whenever I come. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. He's written this letter to the church that he had founded about five years earlier. There are problems in Corinth. There are problems in the church with divisions, with people puffing themselves up to see who's the most important. There's sin that they're not dealing with. They have a lot of questions about things like marriage and eating the sacrificial meals at the pagan temples. Now he's dealing with the issue of the Lord's Supper. Doesn't seem this is an issue they asked him about, but they heard about that they're not observing the Lord's Supper correctly. What seems to be happening is, is that the wealthy people are gathering either separately or earlier and having a big elaborate meal to themselves. Then when the working people, the poor people, show up later, they're not allowed into the area where the rich people are, or they're just given the the leftovers, and so they don't get as good a meal, and they don't get to participate with the wealthy people. And so Paul said, you're abusing these poor people. Then he reviewed the actual aspects of what the Lord's Supper is. It's a a memorial meal. It's a time of remembrance. And what they're doing is not really remembering what Christ has done. They're just having a big, elaborate meal. And so they're failing on two parts. One is they're abusing the poor. And secondly, they're actually abusing the Lord. They're sinning against the Lord by not observing the Lord's Supper as an act of remembrance. Then last time we looked at part of the solution is to recognize the body. And by body, he means the church. He's talking about unity, that the church is supposed to come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. What they are doing is in absolute contradiction to this of togetherness. They're segregating, they're excluding. And so they need to recognize the body, the body of Christ, the church. Now in this last part, he's wrapping up this section on the Lord's Supper. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. This is the bottom line for this section. This is the challenge. This is the other so what. The first so what was recognize the body. The second so what is welcome one another. So two aspects here the vertical dimension and the horizontal dimension. Vertically, properly remember the Lord. Horizontally, welcome one another. We mentioned come together here. If you recall the first section we saw on this, I said there were five times he uses come together or gathering in this segment. And here, two of them are in this section, one in verse 33, one in verse 34. So he's talking about when you're coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the idea of welcome one another, that's not what they're doing. They're excluding people. And excluding people is the opposite of Christian hospitality, of welcoming one another. 
So show hospitality to the poor. Don't exclude them. Verse 34, he says, If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you gather together, you will not come under judgment. There he uses the term gather together again. Now, when he's talking about gathering together, he's talking about specifically coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, this phrase, if you're hungry, eat at home. This goes back to your goal. If your goal is to have a big meal, then go eat a big meal at home. If your goal is to have a party, then go have a party at home. Don't try to turn the Lord's Supper into a big elaborate meal that you're excluding others from. Don't try to turn it into a party that you're excluding others from. If that's your goal, well, then don't do it there. Don't try and pretend that that's the Lord's Supper, because it's not. So if you want a big meal, go have a big meal. If you want a party, go have a party. Nothing wrong with having a big meal. Nothing wrong with having a party. But don't try and turn the Lord's Supper into a big meal or a party. So if you're hungry, if your goal is to have a big meal, well, go have a big meal just not at the Lord's Supper. And he adds, so you will not come under judgment. Well, they are already under judgment. Under, under judgment by God for improper observance of the Lord's Supper. And what are they doing wrong? They're excluding the poor. They're abusing the poor. And they're not properly remembering the Lord. He says, and quit doing that. So you won't be under judgment. You already are under judgment. Then this last phrase, I will give instructions about the other matters whenever I come. Well, first question there is, what other matters? Well, he doesn't tell us. So we don't have a clue about what are the matters he's talking about. But they seem to be somewhat linked to this idea of the Lord's Supper. So there must be some other problems that are cropping up as they gather together for worship. What that is, who knows? And there's no sense even guessing what it could be. But it is kind of piques the curiosity what else is going on, because there's enough other stuff being dealt with here that show that there's some problems in Corinth. So he says, I'll deal with that other stuff whenever I come. Well, does he ever come? Well, yes, he does. This is during Paul's third missionary journey. Now remember, he founded the church in Corinth on his second missionary journey. It's about five years later, he's on his third missionary journey. He is in Ephesus. He spent a considerable amount of time in Ephesus on his third missionary journey, but then he left. And so about a year after he writes this letter, he does go to Corinth. In fact, he writes the letter to the church in Rome what we call the book of Romans. He writes that in Corinth when he does come later on. So would like to be a fly on the wall when Paul arrives at the church in Corinth and see what happened. Did they fix the problems that he challenged them about in this letter and the follow-up letter, 2 Corinthians? It'd be interesting to see what actually transpired when Paul does come about a year later to Corinth. So what are the problems here when he's specifically dealing with the Lord's Supper? There's a lack of community, a lack of unity, a lack of hospitality. They're excluding the poor from the supper and just giving them leftovers. And it's even humiliation of the poor. Just put yourself in 
their position. You show up to celebrate the Lord's Supper and all the rich people are either locked away in the back room yucking it up or they've already eaten everything and you've just got some little bit of stuff left over. And that just shows how left out you are. It's humiliation. And they're not recognizing the idea of one another. They're not recognizing the body, the body of Christ, the church of God. There's a lot to one another. The New Testament deals with the concept of one another a lot. And we're told to love one another, care for one another, teach one another, admonish one another. All these, there's like 35 one another passages. And they're not doing that. They got a real problem with one another. They, they got a real problem with their idea of community, of what it means to be the community of faith to be the community of Christ's people. They also have failure to observe clear commands. The Lord's Supper, we're told, is to be a memorial meal, a time of remembrance. That's what it is. So there's supposed to be celebrated with the idea of community, but then it's supposed to be with a clear idea of purpose, that it's a memorial meal, a time to commemorate and remember what Christ has done. Now, we don't want to fall into legalism here and say, oh gosh, we're so afraid that we're going to mess this up. It's pretty easy to do it right. And so we don't need to celebrate the Lord's Supper in fear that we're doing it wrong because it's pretty clear. Any casual observer would see what they're doing and say, hey, this isn't quite right here. In fact, it's not even close to right. There are real problems here. This is a clear command. Sometimes we do fall into legalism. We're trying to make sure we're doing everything exactly right. But in most things, we're given a lot of latitude. But there are some things that are very clearly laid out in Scripture. And this is one of the things that's clearly laid out, and they're clearly messing it up. So their problem is forgetting what the Lord's Supper even is, and then observing it in such a way that it's clearly violating all the intentions of Christian community. So that's their problems with the Lord's Supper. So what's our takeaway? Well, our takeaway is to just evaluate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, are we really focusing on the purpose that is to make it a memorial to what Christ has done? And are we doing it in such a way that it draws people together in unity? There's a lot about the Lord's Supper that we're not given clear instructions about. We're not told how often to do it. We're not told the mode to do it. Do you pass it out? Do people come up and get it? Can you do it uh, as part of a worship service or do it as a standalone thing? There's a whole lot of issues like that. That It's just up to each individual church and each individual tradition to observe it their own way. But as long as we're doing it in a way that fosters unity, and fosters remembrance of what Christ has done, then we're clearly following the dictates of Scripture. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.